Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to the Over and Back Classic NBA Podcast. I am Jason. With me, as usual, is Rich. Hello, Rich. Back in the saddle. Here we are. Yeah, they thought we, we were are. done. They thought, they thought we were it. done. I don't know who they are. I've made yeah. up a straw man of they. Right. But yeah. we're not done. No. Yeah. NBA that, history that, never sleeps. Right. right. The, the the straw man whose pronouns are they them um, <laughs> right. is has said, hey, yeah, they're done. There's no way they're coming back. Well, we're back, baby. We are back. It is another NBA season. It is another season of the Over and Back Classic NBA podcast. Rich, I believe this is our tenth season. That is unbelievable. Yeah, I think you're. I, I think you're right, and that's. Uh, is it seems hard to believe we're going to now have to start uh, recapping our old shows. We're going to have to you know right. go back to. <laughs> sure. Yes, right. I mean, we are probably due for at some point pretty soon. You know, going over uh, going over the fifty greatest players and kind of rehabbing that list again. You know that. Might be sure. due pretty soon as well. Yeah, we were, we're yeah, there's a lot that yeah. years is a long time, man. That's crazy. And there, there is a, yeah. So it's, uh, it's been fun, but yeah, we, um, have a subject. We actually, we intended to do this in, uh, September and life got a little bit in the way because, um, well, it's unusual for there to be, um, major trades in the fall in the NBA. You know, September, you know, off season's pretty much done. Um, you know, you get into training camp and you're getting into things and you don't usually shake up, um, things, you know, at that point or really early on in the season, but, uh, it happened twice, uh, this, uh, off season, of course, first the Damian Lillard trade to, oh, Milwaukee. Wait, it says here, I thought it was Miami. I thought he was going to Miami. Uh, no, it's Miami. Yeah, no, because he was, he was, yeah, I, I, I distinctly remember my man right. dancing in clubs while, you know, Will yeah. Smith's 1998, maybe 1999 right. hit uh, Miami right. played. And sure, um, sure. No, I remember that. that must be it. We're off our game. We haven't done this right, in a well, while. So, right, yeah, well, I must have wrote Milwaukee. I meant Miami. My bad. We, we'll uh, get back apologize. to that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, well, luckily, it became timely again because the, 
Philadelphia 76ers shipped off the disgruntled James Harden. I think we're going to just be calling him <laughs> now the disgruntled show. James Harden. Yes. Every year, every year should start off with that. Someone, yeah. yeah. James Insert Harden is disgruntled. Yes. yes. Shipped off disgruntled. So. You can do a Mad Lib. You can really do like Mad Libs. With, you know, all you need is James Harden is the content there. But it's like, right. you know, insert team here. You know, write down whatever right. team you want. Is, sure. uh, um, has traded a disgruntled James Harden to um, insert team here for insert team, sure. you know, player here. And, and yeah, it happens again. It's, it's you know, mailman. Uh, the milkman, uh, you know, these things yeah. are consistent stuff that comes in James Harden uh, being disgruntled and getting traded. And uh, you I, know what, Jason, this time it's going to work. I'm positive this time, of it. This I time. am positive of it. This time it's going to work. Positive. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about those two trades, and then we're going to get into some historic uh, fall trades that uh, kind of shook up their teams or the NBA or were historically important for some reason. First, yes, Damian Lillard's uh, Till Monkey. It happened September 27th, 2023. The Bucks traded Grayson Allen to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, then Milwaukee traded Drew Holiday and three first-round picks to the Portland Trailblazers. The Suns traded DeAndre Ayton and Tumani Kamara uh, to the Trailblazers. The, of course, the big, the big part of this, of course, Damian Lillard going from the Blazers to the Bucks, And then... The Trailblazers traded Keon Johnson, Nazir Little, and Yusuf Nurkic to the Suns, and then uh, there was a there was a there was pick swap involved um, in there as well. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, of course, this is you know what interesting you know because Lillard, of course, is one of the two or three, if not the number one most you know um, accomplished player in Blazers history in terms of like this longevity there, you know. Um, great player obviously had been uh, disgruntled for uh, quite a while over the summer as you know because we jokingly said yeah we, we everyone was like oh yeah it's gonna be Miami I want to go to Miami it seemed like it was you know, gonna happen Miami always gets what it wants well not this time your Milwaukee Bucks take that heat yeah. culture <laughs> yeah exactly Bucks culture now so uh yeah we'll see how it works out um but um certainly a, a big swing and yeah, if, interestingly enough, Milwaukee becomes the third team in league history to get an all NBA player after being the first seed. The other two, the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors, 2010, the Cavs, they made a huge splash. They got Shaquille O'Neal from the Phoenix Suns, Sasha Pavlovich, Ben Wallace, a second round pick and some cash. And uh, yeah, uh, Phoenix Suns, Shaq actually was on the all NBA third team. Wasn't quite as the big cactus wasn't quite as washed as we thought he was, I guess. No, I know everybody kind of always I, I think a lot of people just assume that after the heat, it's like, yeah, whatever. But there was a little bit of time there in Phoenix, particularly yeah. this year. It, you know, definitely that that he was still pretty solid. All NBA third team, you know, 17.8 yeah. points per game, 8.4 rebounds per game, 1.4 blocks per, ga- per game for the Phoenix Suns. And yeah, he, he called himself the big cactus and nothing yeah. you know, didn't really quite get to you know he didn't get to the nba finals with the suns but it was a, it was a decent yeah. run and and the Cavs yeah. decided we need you know to get a big man for lebron and uh sure well, <laughs> then, then didn't go all that well yeah and things got a little prickly in cleveland the big cactus you know didn't uh quite uh live up to things after that but uh yeah what can you do and then the other one the one you probably could have figured this one out the golden state warriors got kevin durant who left oklahoma city um, after ad- averaging 28.2 points per game, 8.2 rebounds, and 5.0 assists, which was made him on the All-NBA second team, joining the Golden State Warriors. The 73 win, lost in the finals, you know, blew a 3-1 lead, Golden State Warriors in 2016. So, and things worked out pretty well for that. I would say that worked out pretty well. That worked out a little bit better than Shaq on, on the Cavs, for sure. Okay. So... James Harden to the Clippers. Yeah. So uh, the 76ers, they said Harden, P.J. Tucker, and Philip 
Prustovit? Uh, Petru? Sure. Oh, sure. Okay, sorry. <laughs> say, say something that starts with P. Petru Sev. Petru Sev. Apologies uh, to, uh, to to those who uh, are upset that I, that I pronounced that uh, incorrectly. Uh, to the Clippers for Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, Nick Batum, KJ Martin, um, an unprotected 2018 pick, two second round picks, and a 2019 pick. So, and another additional first round pick from the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, and then the Clippers uh, would ended up saying, there's some picks there. Nobody cares. Um, <laughs> the thing that the, uh, of course, uh, was important is that, um, you know, James Harden is now on the Clippers. And, um, you know, now uh, the interesting thing, of course, with James Harden, what Russell Westbrook and Paul George, the Clippers now have three of the top six active players in points scored who, who have never won a title. Which, uh, <laughs> yeah. So according to the ESPN stats and information research, and yeah, there was another, um, a good kind of deep dive on the trade um, and ESPN. And yeah, something that I had never really realized is that, you know, in the same era, um, Westbrook, George and Kawhi Leonard, all star, y'all you know, all played, in Los Angeles for high schools in the area. All four of them were, you know, high school stars at roughly the, uh, the same time. Mm-hmm. So it's you know, just interesting. Yeah. That they're going to have all four of those guys there. Uh, this, yeah. Um, this is hard. Third time Westbrook has been his teammate. Of course they started in Oklahoma city and uh, then they spent a season together in Houston. Uh, this was Harden's third trade request in four years. So um, <laughs> that is, so that seems like a lot, you know. It seems like a lot, yeah. And yeah. you know, his output yeah. is still good enough for him to kind of get away with it. But now right. it's this is this feels like the last kind of straw. Of it's like, all right, dude, if this if you're not happy yeah. here, I, I don't know, man. Maybe yeah, maybe, I, maybe it's you. Maybe it's right. you. Maybe we it should start <laughs> saying, uh, yeah. But yeah, it's 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 I. We'll see what I, happens with this team. Obviously, yeah. It's these guys are weird because they've all felt like they've been in the same orbit with each other for a very long amount of time. Obviously, Harden right. and Westbrook, like you mentioned, they've been teammates three separate times. Paul George and Russell Westbrook obviously were teammates with yep. uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, sure. The years after Harden left the Oklahoma City Thunder, like you said, they all grew up in L.A., that area, all kind of played high school basketball in that area. So it feels sure. like these same guys have kind of been in the same orbit. And then you bring up that point, too, that, that that's a great uh, note about Westbrook, George, and and Harden all being you know prolific, all-time great scorers, all-time sure. NBA legends without right. a ring. And yeah. yeah, will this be the time when they can do it? I don't know, but uh, I guess it's worth a try. If you're hey, uh, if you're the Clippers, you got nothing to lose right now. I, yeah, this core is getting old. <laughs> so right. it's like now yeah, never, I, so. I don't think it's a yeah. I I think it's fine given what they gave up. Um, and it sort of makes sense. Yeah, I, and I I get why Harden wasn't happy in Houston. Um, I get not wanting to play with Kyrie Irving. Um, so I I kind of get those two. And this one in Philly, it kind of seems like they. Pretty much, you know, he was set up in Philly um, about as good as you could be. It seems like there was a big breakdown in trust between him and Daryl Morey. So, you know, there were that may have been a a big factor. I think he wanted a big bag of money and they were like, here's a slightly less big bag of money. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a big bag, but it's not maybe as big as you want. And that kind of stopped everything. That, that, That makes sense. Yes. Uh, yeah, and of course, this is not the first big fall trade uh, involving James Harden. In fact, yeah, uh, the most famously um, in 2012, uh, on the eve of the offseason, yeah, the Thunder uh, traded Paul Aldrich, Daquan Cook, James Harden, and Lazar Hayward to the Houston Rockets for Jeremy Lamb, Kevin Barton, a 2013 first-round pick that ended up being Stephen Adams, 
a 2013 second round pick that ended up being Alex Abrinas and a 2014 first round pick that ended up being Mitch McGarry. So, do you yeah, remember the that, Jeremy Lamb era? There, there was that brief period where people were like, I don't know, this guy's going to be able to fit in. I, perfect. They're like, losing James Harden's big, but I think Jeremy Lamb could fit right in. And then there was the Kevin Martin wow. era too, where you know his kind of funky three point shot, but he he was, yeah. he was he was an early chucker, you know, an early three point chucker. Maybe born a little too early, it would have been perfect in this area. But yeah, I do remember the Jerry, Jeremy Lamb uh, era where it was like, yeah, I don't know, they, they're all Harden, but I, I think this guy's going to be able to fill in perfectly. And when it was all said and done, the most important part of that entire trade was a 2013 first-round pick of Steven Adams, who ended up being you know, a huge, huge part of that team that very nearly met to the NBA Finals and upset the Warriors and all that sort of stuff. Sure. Uh, and obviously, he's still you know pretty – he's been hurt the last year and a half yeah. or so, but you know still an effective NBA player while all those it's, other guys are pretty much better, all good, gone. Good yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, Kevin Martin was actually you – know, like I, I don't think he ever was an All-Star, but he was like very close to being an All-Star Yeah, type great for the Kings. Player. Yeah, played play yeah. well for the Kings when they were in the midst of their never-making-the-playoffs right. run. But uh, Sure. Yeah, yeah I – I think the trade looks, I mean, it didn't look good at the time, but it looks a lot worse now yeah, than it did yeah, at the yeah, time. Yeah. And I, I mean, and, and granted like the type, like if somebody like Harden were traded now, even like pre like superstar, like even, you know, like uh, I think a good example is, um, you know, the, the trade that the, um, the Hawks made with the Spurs. Um, I cannot believe I'm blanking on. Oh, DeJounte um, Murray. DeJounte thank Murray. you. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that trade where the Hawks, you know, end up, giving up two or three picks um for like i i think that's a good um comparison to what harden would you know a guy like harden would have got had that pick happen today i don't think the market was there for him i mean i definitely think they um didn't make a good trade and the idea of of course you know you revisit the whole idea is like hey should they have traded him at all i mean a lot of it was money i also do think that uh given the history that we've um seen with james harden i'm not sure he ends up being you know, really happy being a third banana to Westbrook oh, and no. Uh, no, no, Durant. No, no. Yeah, there's, uh, that, that would have he, probably he, ended poorly right. in, in yeah. time, no matter what. But he's not Clay Thompson. You know, he's not he's not going to do that. So uh, now, whether maybe the Clippers ended up, or excuse me, the Thunder ended up trading uh, Westbrook instead of Hart. I mean, there's the, the whole lot of what ifs there. And we don't need to get into those. Yeah, there's but, the Serge Ibaka. They they essentially chose Serge Ibaka over him, and that you know looks right. looks laughable at, at at times, but also it kind of I mean it did work out pretty well. I mean, the, that team was on the cusp of, you right. know, they had, I mean, they had obviously some major injuries. Westbrook was out a year and then Kevin Durant sure. won the MVP and then Kevin Durant got hurt and then Westbrook won the MVP. And then sure. when everybody was fully healthy, they were on the cusp of, you know, making the NBA finals. And then Kevin yeah. Durant said, uh, bye bye. But I mean, yeah. But if they're able to work it out, it'd be like if, if, you know, for whatever reason, Harden is like, yeah, I, I'm cool. You know, we can figure it out. I'm cool with, uh, you know, being this great team you know there's a good chance of course you know the, the thunder have hardened um in that series instead of steven adams yeah, uh i mean right, right, as, right. as valuable steven adams was uh like there's a probably better chance that the uh thunder beats the uh warriors in that series and there's, and there's a really awesome chance that the thunder are the team of the rest of the decade you know maybe even over the warriors you know maybe the warriors don't evolve in the way they do you know um if you know, Harden stays on the center. A yeah, lot of what ifs sure. there. And, and, well, and, and Harden, too. Like, I mean, people yeah. knew he was good, but I don't think people knew he was like this good. Like, he immediately right. got unlocked in Houston and it was like, oh, okay, this is what this guy can do. And I, right. I, I, I'm sure even Oklahoma City was maybe a little surprised by like, oh, that's what happens when you put the ball in this guy's hands all the time. Right. But that was right. never going to happen in OKC. I mean, he, yeah, he was, he was very yeah. good for that team. Very, very good. Right. But um, I mean, 
Yeah, at, at, at best, he's like a James Worthy type. You know, that, that's right, kind of the career that he ends up having, which is you know, not a bad career to have, but probably not one that he's going to be super happy with. No, I I'm think guessing. he's probably made a lot more money and, uh, oh, yeah. and been yeah. to a lot more uh, One more, not a lot more MVPs, and yeah, <laughs> right, and right. Um, been able to, you know, I mean, obviously, he's one of the great scorers of all time of, you know, uh, of his generation and one of the great you know, shooting guards of all time. So, yeah, it worked out perfectly well for him individually now, you know. Uh, legacy wise, uh, you know, interesting to see how this uh, Clippers thing goes. I think it's probably the last chance for him to yeah, it, it salvage does. a legacy of, you know, being, you know, a guy who's really talented, but also, you know, a malcontent and, uh, you know, kind of questionable in some of his choices. But we'll see. All right. So we're ready right. for our, our first throwback trade. We are ready for our, our first throwback trade. Absolutely. All right. Let's do this one. September 20th yep. of the year 2000. 2000. Y2K. Way yeah. in the rear view at this point. We're right. good. We're All good. good. Yeah. September 2000. We, 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 we can make good. a big trade now. We're okay. We're yeah. okay. Yeah. That, we're goodness. fine. Yes. Uh, right. And the Knicks made a huge one. Yeah. Patrick Ewing traded okay. away from the Knicks. This is a four-team trade back in the day right. when we had some real yeah. stupid big trades. Like, there used <laughs> yeah. to be so yeah. many big, right. dumb trades where it was like, yeah. why are all these teams getting involved yeah. in this trade? Why? Why? And uh, there's a few questions about some of these teams that got involved in this one. So right. the Los Angeles yeah. Lakers trade mm-hmm. Travis Knight, Glenn right. Rice, and a 2001 first-round pick, Jamal Tinsley later selected for Jamal that pick, Tinsley, yeah. uh, to the New York Knicks. Of course, they did not uh, – Make use of that pick. <laughs> no, no, they they uh, they weren't they were making a lot of picks. Back no, then. that was not <laughs> they, a. They were trading yeah, draft. They were trading other picks all the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the New York Knicks they traded Chris Dudley and a 2001 first round pick, future uh, Jason Collins uh, to yeah. the Phoenix Suns, okay. and the New York Knicks trade Patrick Ewing to the Seattle SuperSonics. A few more guys involved, but not many ones that really matter that much. Uh, The Phoenix Suns trade Luke Longley to New York Knicks. Uh, The Seattle Supersonics trade Emmanuel Davis, Greg Foster, Horace Grant, and Chuck Person to the Los Angeles Lakers. And then the Seattle Supersonics trade a bunch of nothing. Lazaro Burrell, Vernon Maxwell... In the in the dying days of Vernon, I didn't I even yeah. remember the Vernon Maxwell Sonic era, I, but uh, yes, Vladimir Stepiania, the 2001 second round pick, a guy Eric Chenoweth, you don't even know who that is. Michael sure. Wright, a, a 2001 second round draft pick, and then a 2002 first round draft pick, Kareem Rush, uh, who was eventually traded also to the uh, Knicks. They also right. did not make use of that draft pick. I remember Kareem Rush went to the Lakers, right? He was he was a Lakers draft pick, if I remember correctly. But um, uh, yeah, weird. So I we need to pause before we get into this. Because it's very important, but we need to discuss the 2000 um, Seattle SuperSonics. I think real quick. So uh, we got Gary Payton, which makes sense. Yep. Uh, we got we got Vin Baker. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you know, makes sense. Uh, we got Horace Grant. You know, was like, oh yeah, Horace Grant was a Sonic. I uh, he's yeah, Horace Grant and Vin Baker, kind of the same player, but okay. Uh, well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Burly um, power forwards, I guess. Okay. Well, yeah, <laughs> by, by, era, by, by that horse. Yeah, by that horse is older, of course. But yeah, Brent Barry. Okay, makes sense. Ruben Patterson. I didn't. Don't think I remember that Ruben Patterson was a. Um, I don't remember him as a Sonic. Uh, a Sonic. Either, yeah. yeah. Uh, Vernon Maxwell. Yeah, he's. Yeah, that uh, seems fake. I, I, right. I don't remember. Right. I don't even uh, look it up. I'm looking it up. I'm not going to like what I right. see. I don't want to see. He him. was. He was fourth in minutes or okay. uh, fifth, fifth in minutes on that team. Yeah, yeah there uh, he is. That's Vernon Maxwell. Uh, or sixth, I'm sorry, sixth in minutes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rashard Lewis. Twenty year Rashard Lewis. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Then, yeah. Uh, then, then about oh Chuck Person is there at the uh, end of his mm-hmm. trade. Was he, in, was he in that trade? I think uh, it was in the trade. Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, that's right. Yes. Right. Most of the guys for that trade. Yeah. They. Uh, <laughs> turns out they didn't like a lot of those guys. But yeah, that uh, that's a team. That's a, that that's a, a bunch team. of guys. You got Shaman Williams in there too. You know. Yeah. You got some names. You definitely you have some, some guys. names. Yeah, there are so, some guys on that team. There that's is, the team. but uh, yeah. yeah. So they yeah. decide that that's not working for us. We need 
Patrick no. Ewing. We're going to trade some it. things yeah, here. Why not? Yeah. But, but more than anything, it's the New York Knicks making a huge deal there to get rid of Patrick sure. Ewing. And there's a right. New York Times article about yep. the, uh, the, 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 it's on September 21st, 2000 New York Times. Quote, yep. after one embarrassingly botched trade attempt and several other false starts, the Knicks last night parted with Patrick Ewing, the cornerstone of the franchise for the last 15 years. A four-team, 12-player deal that was largely orchestrated by the Knicks and Ewing's agent, David Falk, will send the future Hall of Fame center to the Seattle Supersonics. Knicks uh, general manager Scott Layton announced last night. So what kind of happened? How did we get here? Well, obviously Ewing famously got injured in 1999, and the New York Knicks, without Ewing, made a run to the NBA Finals. Now, this was the lockout shortened season and they went to the finals and they lost to the Spurs pretty handedly. The Spurs, you know, beat them pretty good, but a lot of people started to, you know, wonder, well, do the Knicks really need Patrick Ewing anymore? Are they better off without Patrick Ewing? The, the quote unquote Ewing theory that Bill Simmons would always talk about. Did the team improve with Ewing out of there? And whether or not that happened or not, truth be told, Ewing was slowing down. He was definitely slowing down. He had been there for 15 years. Yeah. yeah, he was old. He had been there for 15 years. You know, yeah. he averaged 20 points per game pretty much since he came into the league. But his points per game, and more importantly, his games played, uh, were plummeting over the last couple of years with, with with the Knicks. And worse yet, his contract was not plummeting. He was still making a ton of money. And, and worse yet, in the New York Times article, kind of lays this out. The Knicks were kind of hoping that Ewing would just quietly retire in honor as a New York Knick. Just kind of say, hey, I'm slowing down. Once my contract's done, I'm going to retire, and they could do the big send-off and throw his name into the rafters and yay Patrick Ewing and all this sort of stuff. But then he was saying that he wanted to play three more years, and moreover, he wanted a contract extension, and he was quoted as saying, if it's in New York, it's New York. If not, it's somewhere else. And that was kind of the big moment where everybody said, all right, well, the Knicks don't want to pay this guy, and this guy's clearly ready to you know, get a contract extension. If it's not the Knicks, he's okay with leaving, and the Knicks never seriously considered giving you in that extension. And then the two sides decided a trade was going to be the best way to do this. Now there were a ton of rumblings as well, that Ewing wasn't exactly happy with being pushed down the pecking order behind Latrell Spiro and Allen Houston, which makes sense given that, you know, those guys were on the come up while Patrick Ewing is, is like you said, 38 and getting a little bit older. Plus he was also sick of being the scapegoat for why the Knicks couldn't win an NBA title, which I'm sure, you know, it isn't what like that whole aura around rings isn't as bad as it is now, but it was bad. If you're the New York Knicks and you're Patrick Ewing, it was bad at the time. I remember even, you know, discussions of that in the 90s of like, why can't the Knicks get it done? Why can't they get it done? It must be Patrick, all that sort of stuff. So I can't imagine what that would be like, you know, in today's era. But in that era, it was still pretty bad. And then, of course, the 1999 run where they almost they make it to the finals and, you know, quote unquote, almost win a title without him made it very obvious that, you know, this relationship between the Knicks and Patrick Ewing was going to be done. Now, in late August, they had a deal ready to go for Patrick Ewing getting sent away. The four team transaction would have featured the Knicks, Sonics, Lakers and Pistons. And uh, the Sonics would have gotten Patrick Ewing. The Knicks would have gotten Vin Baker, Glenn Rice, and Travis Knight. The Lakers would have gotten Christian Leitner and Chris Dudley. It's a lot of white going to the Lakers. And the Pistons would have gotten a whole pile of junk of David Wingate, Vernon Maxwell, Lorazzo Burrell, Greg Foster, Tyron Lue, just a bunch of dudes. Just a bunch of dudes going to the Pistons. Thankfully, Detroit, I guess looked at what they were getting and went, wait, a uh, minute. what are we no. doing? This is no, a lot of guys. Doing this. Yeah. This trade's yeah. ridiculous. We're not going to get nope. David Wingate and Tyron. Yeah. Blue. That's not going to work for us at all. Oh, uh, yeah. So it felt her. And okay. Ewing was going to remain a Nick for a few more days, at least. And then in September, the deal gets done. And uh, Scott Lane said, it became clear that he was looking for change. And when he requested a trade, we, re- we respected his request. It was important in doing so. However, that we had the ability to add value. And with Glenn Glenn rice and his all-star credentials, as well as two veteran big men and draft picks, we believe we have done that. So Ewing then was gone from the Knicks after being the number one pick in the 1985 NBA draft, uh, the franchise savior, 
did make the Knicks more routinely competitive than they had been in many, many, many years. The 80s oh, yeah. were uh, very up and down for the Knicks. Obviously, the 70s, they stand on themselves. That's that's the era of Knicks basketball. That's how they became the legendary team of, of, of sure. you know that, that the New York Knicks are. 80s up and down. 90s got a lot better because of Patrick Ewing by by yeah. you know a couple years into his career they're a perennial playoff team they're they're competing maybe they're not making NBA finals every single year but they are definitely competing and and you know they make the finals in 94 and 1999 and of course 99 they do it without Ewing but you know the rings they never came and one way or another either the Pistons stood in the way the Celtics stood in the way Jordan stood in the way then Shaq stood in the way and then by the time we get here it's just kind of over and, and and it's and it's done and uh, the New York Times article. Not very confident about Ewing winning a title with his new uh, team, the Sonics. Is quote, it is not likely that he will win his elusive title with the Sonics, who have the superior Lakers and Portland Trailblazers to conquer. But uh, don't tell that to Sonics GM Wally Walker. He had a different story. He also said in the New York Times piece that there were 48 different trade scenarios discussed between the Sonics, Knicks, and Lakers. That seems Uh, like a large number. I don't know if that works out exactly, but. Uh, he said, quote, getting Patrick accomplishes a big offseason goal of ours. Until we got on the conference call with the league this afternoon, I had no confidence that the deal would get done. There were many times we thought the deal was completely dead, but it got resurrected, and here we are. We feel great about it. The trade is not without risk, given Patrick's age and injury history, but he's still one of the top half dozen players in the game. We think it gives us a complete and excellent team. And that's a great way to end the quote. But he adds one more sentence here that goes, if it doesn't work out, we'll have cap flexibility next summer. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. I, well, it did go well, Jason. It didn't go no, great. And no. they got that cap flexibility the next summer as well. Yeah. Uh, Ewing averaged a career low 9.6 points per game. He would go lower later. We don't have to talk about the Orlando Magic era. No, Patrick Ewing, it's yeah. just too depressing. Yeah. Uh, less than eight rebounds per game. Played 48 games, though. I, I'm kind of shot that he played 48 games. Uh, 78 games. 78, 78, 78. 78, 78. Yeah. yeah, I'm kind of surprised. Right. 48 would have been more what I thought. Right. Sonics Patrick Ewing would have played, but uh, sure. Seattle went 44 and 38 and they missed the playoffs entirely. And then he was gone and they got that cap flexibility that they wanted. And, and you know, the rest is, is history for unfortunately Ewing and, and the Sonics as well. And the Sonics, they'd be back to not contention, but they'd be okay in a couple years because Richard Lewis would emerge and Gary Payton would hang around for a little bit. And then they trade Payton for Ray Allen or whatever. So they, they stayed competitive until, you know, the last couple years until they obviously left them you know, to go to Oklahoma right. City. Yeah. But uh, let's talk about some of the other players real quickly that got in this trade. Uh, Glenn Rice, you know, there was a lot of questions about how happy he'd be on the Knicks because he did not really like being, you know, the third or, or fourth option on the on the Los Angeles Lakers. So what was he going to do uh, in New York? And, you know, the quote says it's difficult to imagine Rice being happy in that role because he complained about his lack of involvement in the Los Angeles offense during the Lakers' march to the championship last June. And uh, interesting thing about Rice is he was a free agent and could have signed with the then very hapless Chicago Bulls, but he decided – not to. Rice, a no. free agent, received a one-year offer for the Chicago Bulls earlier this week, but he wavered on signing it as his agent, David Falk, who's involved in all this shit right now. He's doing everything here. Uh, tried yeah. to broker another deal, and the Bulls finally pulled their offer off the table Wednesday afternoon. So he ended up with, with the Knicks as part of a sign-and-trade transaction, and he got a multi-year contract uh, and then got sent over to New York. And he actually did accept that six-man role with the Knicks, but he wasn't super healthy, played only 72 games. He averaged only 12 points per game. And unfortunately, this is the last season that he averaged double figures in his entire career as he'd be out of the league three years later. So there you go. And uh, as far as the Knicks, uh, they were not done dealing, presumably. There was other ideas that they were going to make some some other deals here. 
Uh, they were also looking to send uh, Allen Houston and perhaps Marcus Camby to the Hawks for Dikembe Mutombo. Some other sources said that the Knicks would trade Sprewell instead of Houston to Atlanta. Uh, Dikembe Mutombo never did get traded to the Knicks at that time. Uh, he did, though, sign with them later in October of 2003. And, uh, yeah, so as far as how everybody fared, the uh, NBA champion Lakers, you know, they were on the verge of losing Rice on the free agent market, getting nothing in return. They get Horace Grant. He fills in perfectly at power forward. Rick Fox gets a bigger role and, you know, they win another title. They do fine. Yep. Yep. Um, the Sonics, uh, they were middling, and Ewing was a shell of his former self. They won 44 games, and then he left, and then he was off to Orlando the next season. And as I said, they they, they got good again in a couple years. But uh, the Suns, uh, I don't really know what they were doing here. They won two fewer games than they did the year prior. Stayed solid. They won 51 games still, but lost to the Sacramento Kings in the first round of the playoffs. And this king uh, brings us to the Knicks, which is going to be a theme of this entire series, that these teams that are involved in these trades doesn't always work out great because uh, the Knicks, they were ready to move out of Ewing's shadow and give the keys to Allen Houston and Latrell Sprewell. So a year after making it to the Eastern Conference Finals with Patrick Ewing, they won 48 games and they lost to the Toronto Raptors in the first round. Then they missed the playoffs. Eight of the next nine years to date, they have still never made it back to the Conference Finals. So... The last time they were in the conference finals was when Patrick Ewing was still a New York Nick. Yeah, that's pretty. Uh, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. All right, our next one. This is gonna be a fun one. The Spurs get Dennis Rodman, October first, nineteen ninety three. The Spurs traded Sean Elliott, David Wood, and a nineteen ninety six first round draft pick that ended up being Jerome Williams to the Pistons for Isaiah Morris. Dennis Rodman, a second round pick that was Antonio Lang, and a first round pick that was John Wallace. So, yeah, um, yeah the Spurs, you know, powered by David Robinson, they'd been one of the certainly in the upper echelon of the Western Conference in the early nineties. They'd won, they finished first and second in their division for four straight seasons. Unfortunately for them, their playoff success was minimal. They never got past the second round. They'd also come through a bit of a tumultuous season. So Larry Brown quit midway through the 1992 season. I know, I know Richard, that you're shocked by this. Yeah. Yes. Because we, we all know Larry Brown is not a man who does that. No, no, and, no. He, if he takes a job, man, he's sticking with it. You he, know what I mean? Like he's going stick down, to it. whether the ship's going down or not, Larry Brown yeah. is, he's the captain of that ship. You don't, you don't abandon the ship. You don't abandon another. the ship. You stay with it, man. And, stay, and that's Larry Brown. With the ship. That's Larry you, you stay throughout. with the ship. Yes. Um, yes. So, Hey, the Spurs, they were like, you know what, let's, let's do this. You know, Jerry Tarkanian, he's, you know, he's out of college, you know, it's like, let's bring in, let's bring in Jerry Tarkanian, UNLV legend, you know, can he also uh, like illegally get players to play for the Spurs? Like I think, maybe, did they yeah. miss like one of the big parts of, of, yeah. of, of the shark? Oh, well, I, 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 yeah. I, I talked the shark as much as the next guy, but oh, I mean, of a course. big part of his, you know, yeah. thing yeah. was many times being able to get people that may have not. Maybe UNLV wasn't their number one choice, but he made it their number one choice, and he got. Right. I think they're missing the Spurs missed that part of the whole. I, I mean, you pay players in the NBA, so you can't really, like pay them more. You know, right. I mean, I mean, I guess you can, but yeah, so it doesn't work the same. He way. goes so, to free agent meetings, and throws like a twenty on the table. He's like, oh, come on, it's like, uh, it's, uh, right. okay. <laughs> so yeah, uh, right. So the Shark only lasted twenty games in the NBA, and then hey, uh, they did end up with John Lucas, who led them to a thirty-nine and twenty to finish uh, to the season. And they fought a pretty good fight in the 1993 second round. They had a six game loss to the Suns, who of course eventually went to the finals that year. So w one thing about uh, Tark yeah. that, that I've just yeah, now thank you. 
I'm just sure. not realizing. Sorry to bring this yeah. up. Um, no, no, please. So he got uh, he got fired after 20 games, 19 uh-huh. 11 record. This is on Wikipedia, and it's it's got a citation yeah. here from uh, a Las Vegas Journal review about uh, I think when he passed right. away uh, about his oh, yeah. uh, his life. It sure. says here, <clears throat> and uh, so. Uh, Tarkanian was fired after only 20 games with a 9 and 11 record. He received a $1.3 million settlement, which he used to fund a lawsuit against the NCAA. So did he just like. Nice. He was like, I need some money here. Let's see. I'll sign. Right. I'll take this deal. I'll get yeah. fired. I'll wow. get a big bag of money. And then, hey, fuck you, NCAA. Hey. I'm going to sue your guys. So I love it. I love it. That's yeah. how you hey. work. That's how Ultimate, hey, yeah. Tark the shark. That's how it gets done. Uh, ultimate. Yeah. He's a hero uh, as far as I'm concerned. All right. But back to the Spurs, yeah, eh, you know, they were good, but they seemed like they were in a classic case of good, but not quite good enough. Well, Dennis Rodman, he's available. Uh, the bad boys era had petered out. You know, many of the names were still there. Isaiah's still there. Lambeer's still there. Mark Aguirre's still there. Dumars, you know, and then Rodman, of course. But, yeah, by 93, they, you know, they finished 40 and 42. They missed the playoffs entirely. And outside of Dumars, all the other key pistons are basically at the end of their road. Uh, and even Rodman himself wasn't, was not a spring check. He's 31. Um, you know, he had got a late start in his career, but he loved the league in rebounding for the two previous seasons. He's one of the best defenders in the league. He'd won the defensive player of the year in 91 and 92, uh, did enough scoring to keep defenses honest, you know, kind of spread the floor. He did a little bit of very little bit, but for the era, did a little bit of three point shooting to, um, spread things along. Wasn't actually that good at it, but, um, anyway, he he was an incredibly valuable player, and yeah. he was not quite as much of a zero in offense as he would later be in Chicago. Uh, led the team in win shares in 1992. It was all NBA third team that year, in fact. But by 93, struggling mightily with um, personal issues from um, our good friend at NBA Trades. Has kind of a, uh, a a breakdown of you know what kind of happened in the 93 season. So he missed 20 games that year. Um, and yeah, October 9th, 1992, this is uh, from a SI article. Uh, he missed the opening of the Pistons training camp, saying that his pending divorce and departure of coach Chuck Daly had sapped his desire to play basketball and a missing all of camp. Uh, and then uh, November, he was suspended for three games for refusing to go on a road trip. Uh, February 11th, 1993, police are notified after Rodman leaves a friend's house with a gun. He's later found asleep in his truck at the Palace of Auburn Hills. Uh, more on this in a moment. Uh, March, he was suspended by for one game by the Pistons for skipping practice, and then uh, three days later was fined five hundred dollars for leaving the bench during a fight in a game with the Bulls. Which uh, yeah, that, that one I don't know. I mean, that you know, there was still a lot of fighting that one. I, I don't know if that was like the uh, if that one's quite as an indictment as it uh, as it seems to be. The other stuff, not so great. So. Um, all right. So before we get into the 93 incident, uh, one great, what if apparently the Pistons, uh, had thought that they had traded Rodman to Phoenix in September, but the deal crumbled because their sons, Richard Dumas, they discovered more drug problems there, which totally feels like a chance. I mean, is an the 94 Suns having Dennis Rodman is either an awesome chance at a championship or a disaster or both. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's probably both. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think that I mean he would have been awesome for that team. That that would have been a whole different dynamic to that Phoenix Suns team that needed just like one more guy. You know, I mean, one more dude to to, to especially with Dumas. You know, kind of you know not being around it. He's a big right. part of 93, and if he's not sure. around 94, it's a big part of why I think they dropped off as as much as they did, and obviously didn't make the you know the finals uh, again in 94. I mean, the disaster potential is massive with Barkley and Rodman. I mean, that seems like... And Kevin Johnson, too. And, Kevin Johnson, yeah. Right, and Kevin and Paul Johnson, Westfall yeah. is the coach. Yeah, Paul yeah. Westfall is not a great, you know. I but, mean, 
you yeah. see it on the court. You could see absolutely that would that that would have been a hell of a defensive team on the court. It would have been a really really fun right. offensive team. Yeah, I don't I don't know. It's um they won fifty six games. They yeah. lost in the second round to the Rockets in seven games. Um, you know, uh, yeah, Barkley uh, Barkley only played sixty five games that year, and KJ only played sixty seven games, which is probably why their record wasn't quite as good. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, um. <laughs> can you imagine Danny Age and Dennis Rodman on the same no, team? No, <laughs> I can't. I can imagine that lasting for 14 minutes until right. yeah. Daddy yells at him and, and Rodman right. just goes, fuck yeah, this, Rod, I don't need Rod, to do anything. Yeah, Rodman, uh, <laughs> Rodman murders him and, you know, yeah. Anyway, okay, so um, that's a fun one anyway. So, all right, so back to the February 93 incident. So uh, Rodman later revealed in his book, Bad As I Want to Be, he'd driven to the palace late one night carrying a little rifle in his truck he debated whether or not he wanted to continue living, eventually he fell asleep. It was found by police who had been called to perform a welfare check on Rodman by a friend. He would say that in that moment he had epiphany. I decided that instead of killing myself, I was going to kill the imposter that was leading Dennis Rodman to a place he didn't want to go. So I just said, I'm going to live the way I want to live it and be happy doing it. Um, he, he said he killed the person I didn't want to be. So, um and he would later talk about how that changed his persona, you know, and then he started to be more, you know, he started to wear, um, you know, dye his hair, a lot of colors. He start, started to um, outwardly be, you know, I guess showy, you know, obviously later on, you know, he would uh, write his book, he would wear the wedding dress, he would do all these things to kind of get attention, which is not something he did as much during the um, Pistons days, but it's just, he sort of kind of, you know, that helped him change his mindset, I guess, helped him um, survive that time in a lot of struggles. But mm-hmm. uh, there was, yeah, there's certainly a lot of acrimony between Rodman and Detroit over the way the um, tenure ended. Here's a Washington Post um, quote from Rodman after some negative comments from his former coach, Don Chaney. He said, uh, to hell with them. I helped them win two championships. Now I'm the bad guy. I don't associate with those guys anymore. I've got a lot of bad feelings toward that place, their system. Um, uh, Billy McKinney was the uh, Detroit uh, GM, said, hey, we hate to see him go, but it was best for all of us to get a new start. Uh, Isaiah Thomas said uh, after the trade, I'm more optimistic about the season now than I was two weeks ago. We were building this team to beat the Bulls with athletic ability. I think our organization has to be commended for the move we've been able to make. Well, turns out Isaiah was probably wrong about his optimism about the Pistons. They only won 20 (laughs) games that year. Uh, Isaiah's career uh, ended with an ACL injury. uh, And also Bill Embiid only played 11 games that year, ended his career. So uh, that, you know, that that was the, uh, you know, the, the fork. Uh, the end of the bad boys officially. Uh, yeah, and they well, they did get Sean Elliott, who's like, Yeah, Sean Elliott's a really good player. Um, yeah, and it seems like he was going to be fitting in well with Detroit. Well, that didn't go well either. He um played one season there, um, and then yeah, put his worst number since his rookie year. He averaged 12.1 points per game, shot only 45% from the field and 30% from the arc. Uh, and yeah, the, uh, they actually Detroit. Uh, traded Elliott in the midseason to the Rockets for Robert Ory, but Elliott failed a physical due to his kidney problems and then uh, ended up going back to the Spurs for almost nothing for the 95 season. And then um, things would actually go pretty well for Elliott after that. Although there was a, a, a uh, silver line to this is that the Pistons were able to get Grant Hill um, out of that. So, um, 
and so for being bad. So eh, you know, you'll uh, you'll take you'll take Grant Hill, I guess, out of uh, out of all that. Oh, absolutely, so. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, the Sean Elliott thing is pretty bizarre. It's one of those. It's it, it reminds me a lot of uh, the Antonio McDice thing, where like you know he's sure. on the. Um, you know, he's on the Nuggets and he goes to the Suns for that very, very brief period. Then he's back on the Nuggets. The Elliott thing is, 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 is always one that always, because I think in one of the NBA jams, I want to say Sean Elliott's like a piston. I'm like, oh right. yeah, Sean Elliott was yeah. a piston for yeah. like a yeah. very brief yeah. amount of time. And right. then I'm, like, yeah. I'm like, well, when was he on the Spurs? And I'm like, oh yeah, right. Before yeah. and after he was before, on the Spurs. Right. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a, yeah, there's a handful of instances of, um, that kind of thing happening, but yeah, it's always, uh, it's always pretty weird. So, yeah. So Rodman, you know, as I mentioned, began his colorful hair, hairdos in San Antonio, he dyed his hair blonde before his first game. Demolition uh, later. Man. Remember demolition man. That was all oh, rage at that demolition. time. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, I'm going to say, uh, demolition man underrated. Uh, a very film. good movie. Yeah. Wesley Snipes I, is great in that. Uh, hell yeah. Yeah. Well, one of Stallone's best uh, movies. I would good, have It's to say, a great but... video game too. I, I haven't played oh. it in years. So, Oh, I don't know if I've ever played that, but I'm, I'm going to have to look into that. So yes. Um, also he did red, he did purple, he did blue, did a lot of colors in Spurs. Yeah, dyed hair always looks weird with the, with a Spurs uniform. It looks like it looks, I guess I'm used to it with the bulls. So it looks okay with the bulls. Right. But right. I do. I do, like the yeah. white looks perfect. And like Jeremy Sohan still, right. you know, does it in, or right. Sochan does it in. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I do remember like when he was like, it was pink. I don't yeah. know. Actually, you know what? I, it. I think I'm okay with. It. I'm looking at some pictures. Actually, I do remember I, actually like because the black actually is a pretty good. Um, I I don't know if I don't like it. It's just, it's just weird to see. It, I yeah. Okay. It, oh, yeah. 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 I, I I don't. Yeah. I I don't not like it. I just every time I see it, I'm like, oh yeah, it's just kind of jarring to see. Um, kind of jarring to see Rodman in that uniform. It's, it is jarring to see him with that with colored hair in that uniform for whatever reason. So. Um, I guess usually I think of the Spurs as a more conservative team, obviously, you know, with, with Sochan, that's changed a little bit. But um, anyway, uh, yes, infamously, he had a relationship with Madonna during that time. But I, there is a uh, there was a story of him allegedly uh, calling the Spurs uh, front office in hopes of connecting with him. I would love to know more about that story if that were um, true. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like at least at first, like Rodman at least on the court, was not a bad fit for um, Santo. You, you can certainly see what the Spurs were thinking and adding toughness and rebounding. It's similar to what the Bulls were thinking a few years later when they um, got Rodman from the Spurs. And, yeah, I mean, in addition to Robinson, the Spurs had you know, Dale Ellis, Willie Anderson, Vinny Donegro, uh, Nigeli Knight, uh, Terry Cummings, Jared Reed, and Lloyd Daniels. So, like, solid, but obviously no one who was, like, really that great um, except for Robinson. But, yeah, they finished with 55 wins that year. They were third in the league in SRS. They do – Lose in the first round to the Jazz three to one. It was a four to five series, so you know they were basically kind of neck and neck. Uh, yeah, and and then you know one of the things that uh, the Spurs GM Bob Bass talks about with the trade is like, hey, everyone thought we were a marshmallow team uh, in making this trade. We feel like really improved in rebounding. Uh, he said he just wanted to win and would show us how to win. And Dennis Rodman, we I think we have one of the most unique players that ever played uh, basketball and talked about just you know how much how valuable he really was to there and. And Robin did continue his streak of leading the league in rebounding. Uh, and in fact, in his second season with the Spurs, he set the NBA record for total rebounding percentage, 29.7. Uh, and then, yeah, they, like as we mentioned, they won 55 games in 94. And they won 62 games in um, in 95. Um, and then, but yeah, uh, they would lose in the first round, 94, as we said. And then, unfortunately, in the conference finals, they would lose in 95. Uh, before that, though, of course, with the playoff flame out, uh, John Lucas ends up being replaced by Bob Hill. And again, strong regular season, 62 wins. They got a boost from the return of Sean Elliott. They also added Avery Johnson. They got Chuck I really Person. thought this first team was going to make it like pretty. Yeah. I, I remember even as a kid being like, this right. thing rocks, man. And <laughs> Doc Rivers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. And they, you know, and again, 62 wins. Robinson won the MVP. 
Uh, Robin actually, despite being injured, I think only played like around 50 games that season, but he was uh, on the all NBA third team. Uh, he did have enough rebounds to qualify for the rebounding title. And, um, you know, so it, it, again, like on the court, things were about as good as, you know, you could expect them to be, but in the playoffs and off the court, well, it definitely, uh, the team was at odds, uh, you know, things that Rodman did during his time in, um, in San Antonio, he headbutted Stacey King and John Stockton. He threw a bag of ice at Bob Hill. Uh, he pushed back after being ejected from games by refusing to leave the court. Uh, and this is from a My San Antonio um, article looking back at the air, by the way. Uh, clash with the team's front office. He faced multiple suspensions. He took a leave of absence. He injured his shoulder in a motorcycle class. Played his 49 games during the 95 season. Uh, then in the playoffs, yeah, he was sitting on the floor with his shoes off during a timeout against the Lakers, which all of the suspension. And then... Um, uh, you know, when the Spurs lost to the Rockets in the playoffs, and obviously um, Elijah Wan uh, smoked Robinson there. Uh, Rodman criticized Hill and his calls against the Houston team. Specifically, he called Hill a loser, and then he even blasted Greg Popovich, who was the uh, general manager, saying their choices uh, sucked. And then in his book, Rodman said that Popovich wanted to be the guy who tamed Dennis Rodman, and th- this is the what he wrote. Mr. Military was going to make me a good little boy, a good soldier. He lost sight of everything else. And when he decided he couldn't do anything with me, he badmouthed me and gave me away for next to nothing. Then he pretended it was good for the team. All right. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Tell us what you really think. <laughs> I, I, uh, and I, I don't entirely disagree. I, no, you know, exactly. yeah. that's probably All exactly right. what was going on at that time. Yeah. And then, yeah, there's a, a SI article, you know, after the trade and, Robinson says, "Yeah, it was like a zoo last year. Now we'll just be able to focus on basketball. There won't yeah, be any imagine other little, garbage." You know, a very nice man, David Robinson, just sitting around, you know, just around that, around the whole Robin right. thing. You know what I mean? And just being like, "Oh man, yeah, right. I just want to play basketball." Yeah. And then Elliot said, "Yeah, we're a quiet bunch. We're probably the best team getting along wise in the league." Uh, and then you know, and, and Robinson also said, "Yeah, after that playoff series, was like, yeah, for the first time in my life, I felt like I let my teammates down." It, it's interesting because. There is like, I mean, I don't really buy into the idea that David Robinson was too nice to win. I mean, obviously he was just as nice later when, you know, he, you know, when he won final, when he won championships with Tim Duncan, he just didn't have Tim Duncan at the time. So, uh, but I, I, you know, there is sort of an idea of like, you want people to get along and you want them to be comfortable with each other, but you also want them, you want some toughness and you want some accountability um, to, uh, you know, to, to drive more intense performances and winning. So, you know, where is that balance? You know, basically, why did this not work in San Antonio, which would later be like, you know, the the culture, you know, um, considered the best culture in the league for yeah. a very long time? And why did it work in, you know, like in Chicago, where I mean, obviously they got Phil Jackson and he's also in a very different way known for having a strong culture. Um, but you know, why, you know, why did one work and, and not the other? And, and some of it, I assume I think is coaching and some of it is, I assume is personalities. And some of it is, you know, there's certain things that Robin's not going to do to Michael Jordan that he's probably comfortable doing to Dennis Robin or Dennis, uh, uh, Dave Robinson. But yeah, it's just, it's interesting dynamic. No, for sure. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know if I have a good read on, on the, the Robinson right. thing. Uh, like I, 
I don't know if he was too nice, but yeah, may, maybe there was a little bit of that where, and, and maybe Popovich was, you know, once he comes in and, 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 and coaches the team, maybe he is a little bit more of that hard ass that you needed and, and not because, you know, like, uh, like a Bob Hill, I think he was always kind of considered like a very pl- player friendly coach or whatever, but sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's how we, we do see that the difference there when Popovich came in and started coaching the team that it was, yeah, that, that, that edge was maybe added also adding, you know, Tim Duncan <laughs> surely helped. Sure, that helps. It was just yeah. like, who cares if we're yeah. nice? Like we're just better than everybody else. So it's like, you know, I mean, right. we're, we're all really, really good at basketball. So yeah, but it's, it's interesting. Yeah. I always wonder about the Spurs in the nineties, you know, how things could have changed yeah. for them. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's funny. There's a Washington Post article after the uh, trade. And then, uh, you know, Greg Popovich said, like, hey, big surprise, huh? You know, after the uh, trade was announced. And then uh, he said it was difficult to find a team willing to trade for Rodman. Then when when it asked if it were a relief to be rid of Rodman, Popovich said a big relief. We were without him for quite a bit last year. So it's not any any different in many respects. So (laughs) uh, that's a 
some shade there. And then, yeah, uh, Robinson's feelings about it many years are interesting. And then he said in a, this is an appearance on the Bulls Talk podcast in 2020, Dennis is a complicated guy. He's an easy guy to like because he has a good heart. He wants to play hard. He wants to do the right things. But as far as a team goes, he was so destructive to a team perspective. So, and like I said, yeah, would someone like Rodman have been able to work on the Spurs like in the mid 2000s when Popovich is, is you know, obviously coach when they've established their the championship culture, what they have, Duncan, um, when, you know, and, and I'm sure that Popovich to a degree matured and changed uh, from what he was in the 90s into what he was, you know, in the late 2000s. And, you know, the, the Spurs, again, they brought in some characters, you know, they had Steven Jackson, um, you know, but they didn't have anybody who was as strong of a personality or, you know, as, as, as potentially destructive as Rodman and how many people are, but also was Robin someone that may have kept them from somebody like, you know, like Ron Artest or Lamar Odom or somebody who was kind of like talented, but mercurial, you right, know, right. Um, yeah, it, it, obviously we don't know the answer, but um, I think it is interesting to see, think about how that experience um, shaped, you know, what their later, um, how they built those teams later. Right, right. For sure. Uh, all right, let's move on to another one. It's a late one as well. November 3rd, 1995, back when the season used to start in November. Remember those old right. days where <laughs> I remember? Yeah. Like oh, Halloween, yeah. Sometimes it would start, and now it's sure. like mid October. We're starting these seasons. But November 3rd, 1995, the Charlotte Hornets trade Leron Ellis and Alonzo Morning. Okay, Alonzo Morning is the reason we're talking here. <laughs> oh, and okay. Pete Myers to the Miami oh, Heat. Pete Myers. Yeah, we talked about Pete <laughs> Myers. Pete yes. Myers there. Uh, right. to the Miami Heat for Matt Geiger, Khalid Reeves, Glenn Rice, and a 1996 first round draft pick, Tony Delk later selected. There you go. Back to back Glenn Rice trades for me. Here you go. Oh, hey, um, absolutely. Yeah. This is one of my favorite trades ever. Is it weird to yeah. have a favorite trade ever? I don't know. But I, yeah, I, I respect it. <laughs> but it's just like a classic challenge trade that, that I like to call it. It's like yeah. we have our franchise guy, you have your franchise guy. Our guy doesn't really want to be here. Let's trade franchise guys and see whose franchise guy is better on our, you know, like it's just a full, like, yeah. And we're going to talk about why morning's gone or why rice is gone, but I just love one of those ones where it's just like, you know what? Yeah. Let's, let's just trade our top guys yeah, and see what good. happens. You know, see. Yeah. this late into the season, you know, the off season too, it's just days before right. the season starts. Uh, it's pretty wild. And uh, this one started because uh, Charlotte Hornets uh, owner, George Shin and important human being, uh, he offered Alonzo Mourning an $11 million a year deal, and he turned it down. They freaked out, and they traded him. Uh, he says here he had no interest in it. He said, no, you've got to get closer to my money, and it just broke my heart. Aww. Oh, poor baby. Oh, man. George Shin. Oh, poor little thing. Sad. Oh, yeah. Won't somebody think of the owners. <laughs> but, uh... Won't somebody think of the owners, yes. <laughs> But yeah. uh, Pat Riley was more than happy there to pick up the pieces. He then uh, traded for Alonzo Mourning. Mourning said at the news conference in Miami, I came here with the intention of being here for the rest of my career. And uh, Mourning uh, held up uh, the deal for a day. Uh, he was unwilling to commit himself initially to joining a stripped-down Miami Heat team, but said that he changed his mind overnight. He says, I was ready to get on with the season. I didn't want to start the year off in Charlotte knowing that I could be out of a Charlotte uniform every other hour. I didn't want to play under those circumstances. Now, there's some other teams that wanted to get involved. The Lakers would have uh, yeah. liked oh. to make morning an offer on the open market the next summer. Uh, pursued a trade. Charlotte officials said they offered Vladi Divac, which had to be like a... That had to be sort of like a weird um, – anyway, they, they weren't willing to pay more right. than $10 million a year anyway. So right. uh, that yeah. had to be some weird sort of like Kobe Bryant, like weird – because at this – well, I don't know, 95. Like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like right. that, it, So like that, it blew my mind when I read that. It was like, imagine they just traded Vladi then. Right. 
they probably just keep Kobe, right? <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just so it, – it's – it's. I don't know. I was kind of weird. I, I, well, that, that, well, they, I see what you're saying. You know, no, I, yeah. I understand that that, like – it, it, it's just a weird how those but, things all kind of came together. I know this was at, this was after the trade got made or whatever, but it's just some sure. weird, you know, Vladdy just keeps getting in the mix of these Lakers <laughs> to Charlotte deals. But uh, right. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, now the, you know, so if this happens, then the, um, obviously the Lakers don't go after Shaq and the Lakers right. probably don't trade for, well, I, I guess they could have in theory still. I mean, I, yeah, I I don't know who they, they don't. They obviously can't trade Divac for Kobe. So who could they have traded to? Yeah, you know, that yeah, that's uh, I mean that that's the real um type of thing. That's interesting. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it, it, it's just wild. But yeah, yeah, it's right. pre Shaq going to the Lakers, so it, it's interesting there. But uh, right, sure, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> Glenn Rice is now on the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, right. They ask uh, veteran Robert Parrish what he thinks about uh, this trade. As in the New York Times article, he says, it's a huge loss. You don't replace an Alonzo Mourning. That type of talent doesn't come very often. Parrish then called Rice a hell of a player, but let's face it, he's no Alonzo Mourning. Welcome to the team, Glenn. All right. (laughs) Jesus. He's just like, well, eh, it's not as good as Alonzo Mourning. Hey, how are you, man? It's like, Jesus Christ, can we be a little more happy about our new acquisition here? But uh, you know what? Robert Parrish is too old for this shit at this point. You know what I mean? He's sure. like, what, right. what are you going to yeah. do? <laughs> yeah. 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 What, the fuck? Uh, what are you going to do? Yeah, I've been care. here for, I've been playing for 40 years, man. You know, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> right. I'm 62 uh, years old. I don't really care. Yeah, yeah. I don't get, yeah. Fired exactly. me, I'm already fired, basically. Yeah, the, uh... <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, so the deal also was a result of the new labor agreement that abolished restricted free agency and set free players with early termination options, such as Alonzo Mourning and Shaquille O'Neal. Again, right. so there. Yeah. Uh, Hornets originally signed Mourning to a seven-year contract. We gave him an out after his fourth season. Uh, under the rules then in effect, Charlotte could have then matched any offer. Uh, the Hornets had been negotiating with Mourning for two years on an extension. Their last offer was $100 million over 10 seasons, but never got it done. And then uh, under, the, under the gun, Shin met with, uh, with Mourning's agent, David Falk. Uh, David Falk. New price, uh, David million Falk. over seven years. I Falk. believe that David Falk represented every player in I the I think he 90s, did, yeah. So, that yeah, Jordan right. connection really helped. It was like, <laughs> it did, oh, wait, yeah. you're Jordan's yeah. guy? Like, <laughs> All right, hey. I want to be in every commercial ever, and, and yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. So. Right, yeah. Uh, so Falk also gave uh, his protect your assets speech, telling Shin if he couldn't sign Morning, he had better trade him or he would get nothing back. Riley then stepped up, reportedly outbidding the only other owner who would have been willing to pay the $13 million a year that Alonzo Morning wanted, Portland's Paul Allen. So, um Morning to this point, I played three seasons with the Hornets, appeared in two All-Star games and a career average of 21 points per game, 10 rebounds, and three assists. Uh, when Morning was asked what Riley expected of him in Miami, which opens the season at home against Cleveland just a couple days uh, later, uh, Alonzo Morning said they hadn't discussed the matter, but Pat Riley apparently did discuss the matter in his head. He said, I want 25 and 20. He wanted 25 points and 20 rebounds out of Alonzo Morning. I'm sure there was a little bit of a Riley smirk there. Probably, um, yeah. I would hope. Uh, but uh, <laughs> that that bomb completely complete giant bust. Alonzo Morning. He only got fifteen and five in his oh, debut man. with the Heat. Wow. So yeah, yeah. Right. So what a bust. Uh, anyway, Morning would get the last laugh in in terms of all this. Uh, he would play most of the remainder of his career in Miami, uh, even as he battled obviously life threatening kidney issues. There was that very brief Nets run that even I kind of forget happened yeah, <laughs> occasionally. Yeah, right. Like yeah. I wrote my notes like without even remembering that I wrote that Morning spent the rest of his year in, in Miami, and right. then like a little part of my brain was like. Why do I remember him in something gray? Like I remember morning in gray uniforms, and I look, I'm like, oh no, yeah. <laughs> oh no, what is this? I don't like this at all. Um, 
But obviously, Morning won a ring with Miami in 2006, mostly as a role player, uh, as at that time they were powered by Shaquille O'Neal. So there you go, Shaq and, and Morning on the same team, uh, and sure. Dwayne Wade. And then upon retirement, Mar- uh, Morning started working in the Miami Heat front office, and he is still there today. And the team has obviously been tremendously successful in the years since the trade. Uh, they lost in the first round during Morning's inaugural year. Uh, but they made the conference finals the following year. They had six straight playoff runs until 2001. And then in the 28 years since this trade has happened, Miami has missed the playoffs only six times. And during that, they have three titles, four NBA finals appearances, and three conference finals appearances. Now, the Charlotte Hornets, mm-hmm. yeah. not as good. Uh, they no. missed the playoffs in the first post-morning year. Uh, but they ended up building a really, really good team around Glenn Rice and Larry Johnson, going as far as the Eastern Semis in 1998. And then after some retooling, the Hornets were back to being competitive in the East, going to back-to-back Eastern Semis in 2001 and 2002, uh, thanks to new young players like Baron Davis and P.J. Brown and those sort of guys. Um by this time, though, the franchise, you know, once the toast of the NBA with their record-breaking streak of sellouts and their just perfect merchandise that everybody loved and was just everybody mm-hmm. wore a starter jacket of the Hornets or whatever, they were broken beyond repair. Uh, fans stopped going because of the owner, and the team moved to New Orleans, and Charlotte would lose their NBA team forever, and never again did a team play there. Yeah, Just kidding. Yeah. My mistake. Right. I know yeah. play well, there. Not the until Charlotte 2015. Hornets came back in yeah. 2015. Duh. Right. Yeah. 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 So you, I, I tricked everybody there. They were like, hold on a right. minute. There was right. another Charlotte team, right? It's like, yeah, duh. the current Charlotte Hornets came back. Sure. Sure. And um, yeah, they came back in 2015. The uh, New Orleans Hornets became the Pelicans. And then the. Okay. My note. Again, we're, we, we're off our yeah. games here a little bit. Something about a Bob. I guess there was a. Bob. Yeah. Cats. I don't know what that is, but I'm I, no, confused at I this point. So. Anyway, yeah. all I have to know is the Hornets came back in 2015, and they made the playoffs in 2016, and they haven't been back since. So uh, not a team that really had a ton of success, uh, obviously, uh, anywhere, really, in, in this franchise's history. So ever, ever since this morning trade, they've really been struggling to get back to relevancy uh, for the most part. And uh, well, the Heat have just never not been relevant <laughs> almost in that entire time. Brief, you know, Michael Beasley run, notwithstanding, but otherwise pretty much been a competitive team since then. Sure. Uh, yes, exactly. So, all right. Uh, now we've got we got Allen Iverson. He uh, he goes to the Motor City, but in fact, it is Denver that revs up. This is November 3rd, 2008. The Nuggets trading Allen Iverson to the Pistons for Chauncey Billups, Antonio McDice, and Jake Samba, uh, not the most important player in that trade. And yes, the uh, the Pistons, of course, you know, they had been, you know, a juggernaut for more than half a decade. They'd won the 2004 NBA title. They made another finals. And overall, they'd made um, six straight trips to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, it's seven straight seasons and 50-plus wins. And even after losing Ben Wallace, you know, uh, for a couple years before, uh, in 2008, they finished fourth in the NBA and SRS. They took a historically great Celtics team to six games in the Eastern Conference Finals. And, like, yeah, they weren't young, but they weren't exactly ancient. Like, Rip Hamilton was 29. Tayshaun Prince was third, was 27. Chauncey Bills was 31. Rasheed Wallace and Antonio McDyess were 33. But you had Jason Maxiel, who was, like, being pretty solid. You had Rodney Stuckey, who had been second-team all-rookie. I think people actually were thinking a lot of Rodney Stuckey at that point. It didn't really work out so well. But, um, you know, I they was, had – I always liked Rodney Stuckey. He was, a, he was, yeah. a, he was a bucket before – they called people buckets you know what i mean right like, yeah. yeah yeah i i, I think people were kind of looking at him as like a potential like all-star type level player and it never got there but you know he was he was fun they had aaron afalo who i was also like kind of a, like a you know young talented guy so like they had you know 
they weren't exactly in a bad place. They could have run it back and um, at least on the court and still probably would have been an effective team. But at the same time, the vibes weren't great. You know, um, coach Flip Saunders ended up being dismissed uh, after they you know lost that Eastern conference finals, even though they, you know, they had a great record and um, performed well, uh, the culture of the team uh, didn't seem great. Uh, so, uh, there were threats of more big changes, and after they they won the first two games of the season, but you know what the uh, the trade finally happened. Uh, it, Joe Dumars pulled the trigger, uh, getting Allen Iverson for Chauncey Billups. Um, Dumars, the GM, said it was the hardest and toughest move he'd ever made. He described Billups as a guy I have looked at as a little brother. And yeah, there were both short term and long term motivations to the deal, kind of like the Patrick Ewing deal, where. Iverson had an expiring contract, which, um, and also Rashid Wallace had an expiring contract, which means that they could definitely um, make some moves in free agency. In fact, they would do that. Uh, Rip Hamilton also um, was, uh, he was going to be a free agent, but they decided to extend him for uh, three years, but they still had plenty of money in the offseason. I think they had more money than anybody did in the offseason. So, you know, they talked about, uh, Dumar said, yeah, we just felt it was the right time to change the team. Iverson gives us a dimension that we really haven't had here. Uh, in this league, six or seven years as an eternity, do you have a core together? Um, and then it says it gives us a different way to attack people. We've been extremely successful for a long time, but I also think with that comes a little bit of predictability. So, um, and I, I get that. Like, I, I, I sort of get the idea behind it. Um, but I think also you are, if it had been Allen Iverson of like three years before, this would have made a lot of sense. Uh, Allen Iverson by 2008 uh, was definitely showing uh, signs of decline. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This, his body was starting to break down. He wasn't just, you know, he didn't have as much speed as he used to have. He wasn't as as dynamic as he used to be. And and then there was all the issues of, you know, what he was doing outside of the game. Was he really keeping his body in the best shape possible? Was he really focused on on basketball more than anything? And And, and this is when it really started to get, like, he was still – he still was Allen Iverson in a sense, but he wasn't Allen Iverson. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't that kind yeah. of guy. He could still do a lot of the same stuff he was able to do, but you could definitely tell that like this guy was was starting to slow down and and, and maybe not be the player he was. And one of the big issues for him was adjusting his game. It was like you you aren't what you were five years ago, which is fine, right? But maybe we got to do. And he, you know, was kind of just he was Allen Iverson. You know what I mean? He was right. him, which was he great. Didn't know, didn't know how to be anybody else but Allen Iverson. Yeah, which, exactly. Which made yeah. him as great as he was, and it made him excel and 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 overachieve beyond anyone's wildest dreams. But it also limited him at, when his body started to break down a little bit as he got a little older because he only knew how to be Allen Iverson, and and, and then he definitely struggled in the, in these next couple of years. Right, and then you know in the O eight season, you know he still. I mean, he played all eighty two games. I mm-hmm. uh, averaged twenty six point four um, points per game uh, before the trade. So you know statistically, he was still. I mean, performing really well. The two years in Denver, you know, the the team had a high powered offense. They performed, um, you know, um, very well. You know, they they won fifty games in two thousand eight, but they had lost. In the first round for five consecutive years with Mello, and the last two with Mello and Iverson, so um, it was understandable that they would make a trade. And yeah, the um, Nuggets uh, executive Mark um, Workingtine said, like the two teams had one common problem or challenge. I think the Pistons look at Stucky and saw him as the point guard of tomorrow. And you have an All Star in Chauncey who was in his way. We're just thrilled the way that Jr. is progressing, Jr. Smith is progressing, and then he had a Hall of Famer in front of him. So you understand the motivation of both teams. George Carl, in a quote for the Denver Post, said um, it, when he was asked if the Nuggets are a better team today than yesterday, uh, Carl said, I think we will be. He's the package that fits. Talked about how, you know, having lost Andre Miller 
as a top flight point guard was something that had hurt the team, even even getting Iverson. So, um, yeah, and then not long into the season, you know, the trade looked like a big win for the um, Nuggets. You know, they ended up winning 54 games, which was an NBA franchise record. Um, and it ended up being the first time the in franchise history that the the NBA history that they had won 50 games back to back. Um, and yeah, Billups even said like, yeah, I think the outside world looks at me and, and goes, wow, because, um, yeah, the Nuggets in the first 21 games with Billups, they went 16 and five, um, Iverson, and the Pistons went, um, 10 and 11, although they did end up winning seven of their last eight games at that point. And, um, definitely, you know, there are, uh, you know, Joe Dumar says, Hey, we knew acquiring Iverson would take some time to fit, but we've never lost faith in what we were set out to do. Um, and you know, they, they, they were still, they were, they were talking a good game at that point, but it was very clear that Iverson was, uh, you know, was, was not a good fit. He, um, you know, he went down to averaging that season, you know, only 17.5 points per game. Yeah. You know, uh, his minutes were down pretty much everything was down. He only played 57 games, um, that season. And, um, you know, by the end of the season, uh, and in fact, April 3rd, 2009, it was announced that Iverson would not play the remainder of the season. Uh, Dumars um, cited Iverson's ongoing back injury as the reason for his deactivation. Although two days prior, Iverson stayed publicly he'd rather retire than be moved to the bench as uh, <laughs> Pistons coach Michael Curry had decided. So definitely not a great situation. In the meantime, Billups, he was the only nugget to be selected to the All-Star game that year and he led them to the conference finals for the first time since 1985. So um, definitely a, a much better finish for the um, Nuggets. And yeah, uh, for of course, it was not the first time that J- J- Dumar, Dumars had eyed AI uh, in 2000. Yeah. Um, you know, he, they came close to a, a trade. Uh, they think the, the trade, one version of the deal according to ESPN was um, Iverson and Matt Geiger going to Detroit. In fact, it was Matt Geiger who um, uh, ended up de- declining to waive a trade kicker for $1.5 that kept the trade from happening. Eddie Jones, Glenn Rice, Glenn Rice again, Jerome Williams and Dale Ellis would have gone to Philly. Jerry Stackhouse, Christian Leitner, and Travis Knight would have gone to Charlotte. And Anthony Mason Tony Kukoc and Todd Fuller to the Lakers. Anthony Mason and Tony Kukoc yeah. on the Lakers <laughs> is a very <laughs> interesting. Uh, what if I, I think Mason was still good at that point? I think like because two thousand one he like was like all NBA. I think he was yeah, yeah still, he was still pretty solid. good. Yeah, he was still solid at that point. So that would have been a really interesting one. I mean, obviously <laughs> Iverson in Detroit is the um, most interesting one there, but. Um, regardless, yeah. I, and then I, I like Geiger's quote. He's like, yeah, I looked at Detroit and I didn't think Allen and I would have been better off there. So he, my Geiger said the time, so the decision was easy, but <laughs> interesting to think of, you know, yeah, Ben Wallace being there, you know, of, of Iverson and see kind of how, um, that all worked. But, uh, anyway, yes, the Pistons finished 39 and 43. They were swept by the Cavs in the first round and free agency didn't go much better. The Pistons, yeah, they, they found their men, but it was Ben Gordon and Charlie Villanueva. Yeah, the, the, the great offseason where they spent all the money right. and they brought in Ben Gordon, Charlie Villanueva. And, and uh, yeah, and those did, I mean, both those guys were pretty good at that point. Like, not great, but like pretty good. Like, Ben Gordon was like a really good scorer. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and both those guys for years, yeah. they, they had both been consistent players for uh, a number of years. And then and, immediately and they both, both sucked ass. They both <laughs> sucked. Yeah. I mean, both of those went. Uh, south as much as possible 
Um, and, you know, later, of course, uh, you know, there were other bad decisions by Joe Dumars, you know, the Josh Smith <laughs> getting signed and for huge money. And then I, I think he was waived under um, Stan Van Gundy, but, uh, you know, bought out for with like five years remaining on that contract. Um, yeah, and um, the Pistons have only made the playoffs twice in the past 14, 14 seasons. They have never won more than 44 games th- since, since this. And get this. The Pistons have not won a playoff game since Chauncey Billups was traded game. in 2008. Not, not series. Game. Not, game. Not, they game. have not. They yeah. haven't won uh, yeah. a playoff game. A, a game. <laughs> not a series. Not, not, not practice. A game. They have not won a playoff game. Oh, that's a long time ago. That is saying? a long time ago. Even even the, the short Hornets have won a playoff game since right. uh, yes, then. Yes. Right. Have the Orlando Magic won a playoff game? Well, they they definitely have since then. Have they won a playoff game? I I, I don't know when the last time the Magic won a playoff game. No, was, they had. A, there was a year where they made like oh, I forget what it was. They were even with some team in the play, and everyone's like, "Uh oh, here we go." It was like okay. uh, maybe it's the twenty twenty. Maybe it was the bubble year, or or no, they they've okay. definitely. I think they won. Uh, they, they won a playoff game. All right, in nineteen, right. they beat the Raptors in a game. They still lost in the first round. Oh, and they, 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 the they Bucks, beat the Bucks, the Bucks in twenty twenty. Okay, it was the right, Bucks. I want to say they made the Bucks series one one in like the bubble, and everyone's like, I don't know. Uh, then, yeah, I obviously. don't know. No, they okay. won the first game. That's right. It was That's eight right. versus I, one. They won the first game, and everyone's like, this bubble's that. crazy. And then yeah, obviously. They got smacked. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. All right. So uh, I apologize, more Orlando Magic fans. Yeah, your, your team on. is not as, as terrible as I, as I have. <laughs> as yeah. The Detroit visit. A game? They haven't won a yes. game. One game. Yeah. One and then game. <laughs> one game. a game. A game. Roddy Stuckey <sighs> would later say, uh, like, uh, he would later tell Vince Ellis of the Detroit Free Press, I wish they wouldn't have traded away Chauncey, to be honest with you. I wish they would have took the San Antonio Spurs philosophy, keeping all their vets and get younger guys around the vets and doing it that way. You see how successful they are. After Chauncey left, that's when everything went downhill. Chauncey was the guru that held everything together and held everyone accountable. When you trade away that, you see what happens. Everything was just a domino effect after that. If I'd say one thing, that would be my thing. That's crazy, too, because uh, he got he was like the biggest beneficiary of that. And he's like, ah. In theory, yeah. Right. <laughs> it could open up time for him. And yeah, <laughs> and also, I, I would say, you know, in addition to Villanueva and um, and Ben Gordon's like, yeah, uh Stucky also like again looked like he might be kind of like a borderline, like all star level type player. He looked at the potential for that, and, he, and I mean he fell off pretty quickly too. Yeah, uh, it was just like they had the worst out. I mean, they made some bad decisions, but they had terrible luck with the guys. No, that, that they, year was uh, ridiculous. Like the yeah. second they tipped off, all those guys were bad, and it was like what? Right, <laughs> none of you were bad yeah. before. Why are you all bad now? Yeah, like, like we're bad. Like, all bad like Ben Gordon averaged twenty a game the year prior, and then he averaged thirteen with the Pistons, even though he got more right. opportunities to score. Right. Like, yeah, that just, was a very he just very strange was season. bad immediately. It's so yeah. weird. Right. Yeah. So. All right. All right. Real quickly here as we. uh get to the end of the show here uh golden state they muscle up to win a title september 3rd 1974 uh the chicago bulls trade clifford ray and a 1975 first round draft pick joe bryant later selected to the golden state warriors Ooh, yeah. for nate thurman and in the, and the background right. here very similar to my you know the glenn rice alonzo morning trade that i talked about two good franchises two franchises on the cusp of contending they decide to swap big men to see if they can improve their teams and uh clifford ray had spent the last three years with the chicago bulls who had won 50 games each of the three years there under dick mata uh, as well as a real fun core of Bob Love, Chet Walker, Jerry Sloan, Norvan Lear. And, and Ray was their big presence down low, a strong defender and, and a rebounder. Never averaged more than 10 points per game for the Bulls, but he didn't need to. He swatted away shot attempts and grabbed over 10 rebounds per game. He had a career-high 12.2 uh, rebounds per game in 1974 and averaged 2.2 blocks per game 
that year as well. And the Bulls were good. They were a competitive team. They made it all the way to the Western Conference Finals, but they lost to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and the Bucks. So as far as Nate Thurman, at this point, he's a Warriors legend. He's a seven-time All-Star who started with the team all the way back in 1964 when they were still the San Francisco Warriors. And they didn't score, or Nate Thurman didn't score a lot on that original San Francisco Warriors team because they still had Wilt Chamberlain on the team. Sure. So, so yeah. he spanned Wilt Chamberlain all the way here into the in, into the seventies, and he was remarkably consistent for the next decade plus. Once Wilt Chamberlain moved on, it was pretty much his team. And 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 you know, the year before the trade, as he's even a little bit older, he averaged thirteen points per game and fourteen point two rebounds per game. And like Ray, he was a defensive stalwart. Swat away 2.9 blocks uh, that year as well. It's one of the first years that blocks was was measured uh, mm-hmm. as well. So you can imagine that these guys probably had several more you know great great block seasons uh, before this. But uh, why did the deal get made? Well, the Warriors were looking to get younger and cheaper and retool, so they sent out their established, increasingly expensive big man for a still relative unknown ish in Clifford Ray, you know, the the fifth or sixth best guy on the on the plucky Bulls team or whatever. Sure. So, and the Warriors themselves didn't really expect to compete that year. They kind of thought this was one of the deals that was going to you know put them in a rebuilding phase and so much so that their home arena, the Oakland Alameda uh, County Coliseum, they booked the ice capades. It's always the ice capades. Ice capades. <laughs> it's that always the ice capades. Like, yeah. Right. Like ice capades get, you know, Celtics, Bill Russell and the ice capades right. are going to uh, Oakland. And, and right. so um, if the Warriors did happen to make the playoffs, which was an yeah. unrealistic, uh, uh, you know, thing for, for this Coliseum here, uh, they'd have to play in the nearby cow palace in Daly city, but they said, sure. ah, probably not going to happen. They traded Nate Thurman. We'll right. see. Uh, yeah. we'll, get, we'll find out what happened there uh, in a bit. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, you don't want to bump a Ray Stevens made event, you know, in the. Oh, no, it, no. Yeah. You got Ray no, Stevens. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. They, 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 yeah. They made it out of the Cow Palace. Right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Pat Patterson's yeah. got to defend the. Pat Patterson and Ray Stevens got to defend the tag titles. So they absolutely do. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> you can't miss that. Right. So uh, there's a blog called From Way Downtown. Really good stuff from dash yeah. way dash downtown.com. Uh, they recap and republish articles uh, from from past uh, basketball magazines. Fe- uh, February 13th, 1975 issue of Basketball Weekly uh, talked about this trade. And uh, they uh, talked about Clifford Ray. And uh, he said, people say if you don't win, it's because you don't have a dominating center. And I was always the scapegoat in Chicago. And um, yeah, so he was kind of thought of as like, well, we're not winning because this guy isn't good enough. You know, he's just he's good at defensive. He's good at getting rebounds, but he's just not enough for us. And uh, there was also this idea that he was possibly going to get traded to Philadelphia, but he had knee surgery and the Sixers got scared. Uh, He said, were it not for an injured leg now scarred on both sides uh, after eight years of surgery two years ago, uh, Ray this day might be a Philadelphia 76er. He was offered in a trade when the Bulls coveted a local collegian, Doug Collins, and the Sixers might have made the rookie available, but weren't willing to gamble on the six foot nine Ray's health. Ray believes is all part of the game. He says, I've always carried that philosophy, and if Wilt Chamberlain can get traded, anybody can get traded. He's the greatest thing in basketball ever. That's why I don't worry about it. There's no problem in adjusting to that sort of thing. You just enjoy playing basketball anywhere so uh he was happy to call right. Francisco home he says it's handled yep. a lot better here we lose as a team we win as a team this is the philosophy handed down by coach al adels it's paying off when you don't have to worry about dissension and ego tripping so a little bit of uh Ooh. shots over there at uh chet walker yeah. and norm and uh bob yeah. love and all those jerry sloan all dick, those guys dick Mata, yeah yeah, yeah take exactly. dick Mata. Right. but uh how yeah. did it all work out well as yeah. we said the warriors didn't really want to um you know do much and 
Nate Thurman was going to a pretty good Bulls team. So Thurman goes to a 54-win Bulls team and unfortunately has the worst year of his career, a Ben Gordon-type mm. year for, sure. <laughs> for, uh, for Nate Thurman. So not without some accomplishments along the way, though, on October 18, right. 1974, against the Atlanta Hawks, in his debut as a Bull, can you even imagine right. this is how you debut as, with your sure. new team? He had right. 22 points, 14 rebounds, 13 assists, and 12 block shots, becoming the first player in NBA history to officially record a quadruple double. Now, obviously, block shots were not counted before this year, so who knows? There probably was several several ones before that, but hey, he gets sure, the first sure. quadruple double. Uh, Alvin yeah. Robertson, Hakeem Olajuwon, and David Robinson, the only other players to achieve a quadruple double uh, in, in uh, NBA history, but um, unfortunately, that was probably the high point of his year. His scoring yeah. plummeted, uh, his rebounding and defensive uh, you know numbers remained stout, but uh, after making yeah. the All-Star game in each of the last two seasons, Thurman did not make it, and he would never make another one again. The Bulls regressed. They would win only 47 games, but they made it run all the way to the Western Conference Finals where they lost in seven games to the Golden State Warriors. Yes, the Golden State Warriors improved by four games to win 48, good enough for first in the Pacific Division. They beat the Sonics in the semifinals and then, of course, beat the aforementioned Bulls in the Western Conference Finals. Head-to-head stats for that series, since uh, if you're you're wondering, Clifford Ray, 5.5 points per game, 10 rebounds per game, 1.1 blocks per game. Nate Thurman, 2.7 2.7 points per game. Not great there. Uh, 7.4 rebounds per game and a 1.9 blocks per game. And uh, then it was the Warriors versus the heavily, heavily, heavily favored 60-win Washington Bullets in the NBA Finals. And, uh, yeah, only once did the disparity in regular season victories between two teams in the NBA Finals been greater. And uh, it was only greater by one game in 2006. Cleveland and the Golden State Warriors was the only biggest discrepancy uh, in the NBA Finals. So, obviously, you know what happens here. The Warriors sweep the uh, Washington yes, Bullets. Yes. yes, right, yeah. <laughs> even though they had to move their games to the Cow Palace, which they did, yeah. even though their home arena was like, nah, they're not even going to make the playoffs, the Warriors, complete gigantic underdogs here, sweep the Washington Bullets. Average margin of victory in the 1975 NBA Finals was four points, still the lowest in NBA history, with two of the four games decided by one point. Clifford Ray stepped up big. He had seven points per game, 11 rebounds per game. And the Warriors had their first title since 1956. And Ray would instantly become a Warriors legend and uh, would spend the rest of his career with the Warriors, playing until 1981. And uh, they were only competitive a couple more years after this. And then they kind of would, you know, fall apart. But uh, this legendary team uh, lives on in infamy. And, um, you know, uh, uh, Ray, you know, would end up becoming just a great, great, you know, a legend in, in, in you know, the Warriors. And I guess it kind of, you know, what's weird about Thurman, and we'll talk about him in, in, in a moment here, is Thurman also remained a Warriors legend. So, like, both these guys became sure. legends of the Warriors. Yeah. Uh, I live in Chicago. None of these guys are legends in the Chicago Bulls. It's like no. nobody cares. Right. They play right. a video at the beginning of all their games that shows Cliff Ray and Nate Thurman, but it's just, you know, it's two seconds and then they move on to. And now sure. Michael Jordan's here and, okay, now things are good. So, we, right. uh, but uh, we cannot pass without talking about the greatest Clifford Ray story. Oh, yeah. I'll read it here. In 1978, Ray made headlines for saving a dolphin's life at Marine World Africa USA Amusement Park in Redwood City, California. A bottlenose dolphin named Mr. Spock had swallowed a bolt with a protruding sharp screw while maintenance was being performed on his holding tank. The park veterinarian was unwilling to perform a risky operation to remove the bolt from the dolphin's first stomach where the object lay just beyond his reach. His remark that he needed longer arms led Marine World President and basketball fan Mike Demetrios to ask for Cliff Ray's assistance as his arms measured at 3 feet 9 inches. With gloves, lubrication, and guidance, Ray successfully reached into the animal's throat and retrieved the object without causing any additional harm. Thank you, Clifford Ray, for saving the dolphin's 
life. So uh, he's a I Marine guess. World Africa USA amusement park legend as well. Absolutely, yes. I would say first ballot Hall of Fame. Oh, for, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I just love right. this idea that this, this veterinarian's like, if only my arms were longer. And this guy's yeah. like, ding, I got yes. an idea. <laughs> like, right. Yes. Call Clifford Ray. So there's it. pictures yes. of this too. If you want to see this, there's a picture of Clifford Ray with his arm down at the top of its yeah. throat if you right if you really want to see it but uh, right. so, uh like somebody's as... fetish right there but yeah <laughs> right if that's your thing yeah. then, uh, yeah, yeah. Really, hey no judgments here no, we're, no, we're, no. we're a king friendly podcast yeah we do not so, kink shit yeah. out here yeah. but uh right. so 13 games in the next season for thurman uh the bulls shipped him off to cleveland uh with roland Gar- uh, garrett for steve patterson and eric Fe- uh, fernstein uh in cleveland now 35 thurman uh 35 year old uh, nate thurman came off the bench uh, for the injured Jim Jones to help lead Cleveland at their miracle at Richfield. So it just worked out for everybody but the Chicago Bulls, basically, as uh, right. you know, Thurman helps the miracle at Richfield team. Uh, sure. They make the Eastern Conference Finals before the Cavaliers lose to the Boston Celtics in 1976. But at this time, he's getting older and, and hurting, and he would retire the next season. And and like I said, it's, it's interesting. Thurman would move back to San Francisco. Clifford Ray would remain a, a legend in uh, Golden State. And both these guys just ended up being legends of the Warriors and never you know really – you know, causing any sort of the Bulls legacy is non-existent for both these sure. guys, but yeah, pretty right, much. Right. Doesn't matter. Um, I have two questions. Well, well, I have a, I have a fact and then I have a question. Uh, so one thing that we didn't mention is that Clifford Ray apparently is the only uh, person who likes Rick Barry. So, uh, cause wow. they like, like go fishing together and they like, actually like, I, you know, I believe are uh, genuine friends. So, hmm. um, so that's a fun fact. Um, and Clifford then Ray's also, gotta either be the nicest guy in the world or also a giant asshole. I feel like right. he's a nice guy though. So maybe I feel he's, like just he's like nice guy. Yeah. the nicest yeah. guy in the universe. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. And then also I do want to now, now Clifford Ray also, you know, not a big fan of Dick Mata, but I wonder if they ever, you know, they made amends and perhaps they stay at the uh, Bluebird Inn, you know, Dick <laughs> Mata's a bed, bed and breakfast, you know? Yeah, do some fishing at the at the Bluebird yeah. Inn. I don't know if the yeah. Bluebird Inn do we know if it's near water? Um it's, it's, at be, Bear, right? it's at Bear Lake, so yeah, oh, I would. Well, uh, yeah, I would hope yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. so has water, so. I, I, I hope so. You know, it's not a lake of bears. I would imagine. You know, so. <laughs> that would not be as right. well. No, I don't know. I think it'd be kind I mean, of fun. interesting. Yeah, I wonder if 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 uh, you know Clifford Wade reached into any of the bears' throats and you know grab uh, anything. You know, <laughs> right, some salmon yeah. on their throats. Yeah. Right, maybe. Yeah, you know, maybe that's why. Uh, maybe that's why Rick likes him so much. I don't know. Anyway. All right, so we're gonna a little speed round here. We're gonna hit get some mini hits, some other um, some other big trades that happened in the fall. So uh, a set of three here. So uh, this is yeah, the Nets. Uh, they they well they decided, hey, you know what? We're coming into the NBA. Let's get Tiny Archibald. So they say, okay, the Kings trade Tiny Archibald for the Nets for Jim Eakins, Brian Taylor, and uh, two first round picks that ended up being Otis Birdsong and Phil Ford. And both ended up being pretty important for the Kings rebuild. And then, uh, well, uh, it was like, hey, we're going to have Tiny, uh, we're going to have Dr. J, you know, things are going to be great, you know, we're going to make a big splash in New York, you know, everyone's going to love us. Uh, yeah, well, and then uh, 40 days later, the uh, Nets uh, sold the player rights to Julius Serving to the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, Archibald gets hurt and uh, doesn't play a whole lot for the Nets. And then um, almost a year after that first trade, the Nets traded Tiny Archibald to the Braves for George Johnson. And uh, two first-round picks that ended up being Michael Ray Richardson and Cliff Robinson, not Clifford Robinson, no, but, not that um, Cliff Robinson. Yeah. Yes. And uh, and then yes, unfortunately, the uh, the the tiny Doc era never uh, got to happen. But uh, 1977, uh, the Knicks uh, signed Jim Clemens as a veteran free agent, and as compensation, sent Walt Frazier to the Cleveland Cavaliers. We talked about how well that went in uh, the past. 
Yeah, not uh, <laughs> yeah, not a, a very a very sad trade. We did it for one of our Christmas episodes. We had to watch a, yeah. a, a Cleveland Cavaliers Walt Frazier uh, game. And, yeah, and not not recommended. I would not no, recommend it. Not recommend that one. Okay, fair enough. Uh, and yes, uh, September 1979, the Celtics, they decide, hey, we don't want Bob McAdoo here anymore. They trade McAdoo to the Pistons for a 1980 first-round pick that was a bit later Ricky Brown. A, another 1980 first-round pick that ended up being number one overall that ended up being Joe Barry Carroll. Of course, that ended up being part of the trade that got the Celtics Kevin McHale and um, our Parrish. Uh, this was in exchange as compensation for Boston signing veteran free agent ML Carr in July. So, uh, yeah, you know, uh, I could see a lot of Bob McAdoo, uh, James Harden comparisons here because this is like uh, McAdoo's fourth team after, you know, his uh, and, you know, a- after just having been an MVP like three or four years um, later. But, you know, he goes from the, uh, you know, he, he ends up wanting to go to the Knicks. The Braves can't keep him. Then uh, the Knicks uh, ended up getting g- 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 trading him to the uh, Celtics. Uh, the Celtics don't want him, so then he goes to the Pistons. The Pistons ends up not wanting him. He goes to the Nets. He ends up getting released. He ends up, you know, kind of reinventing himself as a as a sixth man with the Lakers late in his career. But certainly, uh, the James Hard- Harden parallels I feel like are, uh, are are pretty apt there. Oh, for sure. Definitely, definitely, yeah. And uh, I miss the days of uh, the the compensation. If you like signed a free agent, you had to give another team right. like a ton of stuff. And guys are like, I don't know, just take all these draft picks. We don't want them. We have MLK yeah. now. And it's like, right. you know, yeah. there's so many trades where you look back and it's like, yeah, this is because they like some team will sign like a 38 year old guy and be like, I don't know, take our next three draft picks. We don't care. We don't need them. We we don't this guy, we're good. Yeah, <laughs> we're like, good. Oh, no. We're good. Who cares? <laughs> yes. Uh, Sixers in 1982 in September. The finally the they get they want Mo Mo Mo. They get Moses Malone. Yeah. Traded for Caldwell Jones and a 83 first round pick. Now, this was actually agreed to much earlier. It took quite a while for it to become official. So it was it was it was more on paper that it happened at this point. But nevertheless, it still counts. Uh, September 1984, the Milwaukee Bucks trade Junior Bridgman, Harvey Catchings and Marcus Johnson to the uh, Clippers for Terry Cummings, Craig Hodges and Ricky Pierce. This is one of my favorite uh, challenge trades and one of my favorite. What yeah, because, that's a great one. Yeah. I mean, essentially, the Bucks kept their you know, they ended up they made because of making this trade and getting Cummings in particular they ended up um you know keeping extending the life of I mean, they weren't a dynasty but but extending the life of them being a perennial playoff team tough out you know things had um gone a different way you know could have been an NBA finalist but they ended up you know keeping that window open because of this trade even though Marcus Johnson at the time was you know the best player in this trade yeah, for sure, for sure. But no, this is this is a good one that 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 really well, nothing ever helps the Clippers, but but certainly, you know what I mean. Like it certainly uh, uh, right. ended up, yeah, being uh, right. And, and Johnson, obviously, I mean, he has he has drug issues, and then he ends right, up getting right, right. Or, or early, young, and, and you know, I mean, he could have. I mean, he still could have been, I think, a good player for them had it not been for the injury. He was relatively young, you know, thirty or thirty-one when um, you know his career ended. So, uh, I mean, that you know. Obviously, guys, uh, you know, tended to decline younger at that point. But I mean, there was a chance he still could have been. It, it certainly, I would not say it was a good trade for the Clippers, but it it, it worked out about as poorly as it possibly could have. It wasn't yes, like a, yeah, yeah. It wasn't like they got. It wasn't like they got. Um, you know, completely. It wasn't like a bad trade for them. It just it was a trade that, um, was okay for them that just worked out poorly. I guess is the way I would say. It. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, October 1985, the San Antonio Spurs part way with legend George Gervin to the Chicago Bulls for Dave Greenwood. 
Yeah, George Gervin and Michael Jordan. That's yes. going to work out great, right? I mean, that's yeah. two of the NBA's greatest scorers ever together yeah. on the same team. It's got to yeah. be good, right? Well, eh. yeah. Uh, Gervin no, was better that... than people think that year, though. I, everybody thinks that he was like the corpse of George Gervin. And uh, right. that was his last year in the NBA. And he obviously wasn't George Gervin of, of a couple years prior. But he's, you know, he still averaged 16 points a game that year. It's just, you know, a little by little, it became clear that, like, you know, yeah. that other guy was, was probably a little bit... Uh, well, right. and, that, and that's the year that Jordan, of course, you know, had, uh, that's you know the year that he has the injuries out for a lot of the season right, comes right. back in the playoffs. And I think, I, I think it was pretty much out of the rotation by the playoffs or it was he's very limited. In yeah. It. He's um, limited, but even then it's like, okay, all the rest of you guys, once Jordan's back, it's like, okay, Orlando rule, rich George curve and all, all you guys, Gene, you guys are going to have to hit the road here. Cause like, this right. is the dude now, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it's right. Like it's fairly obvious that this guy is is yeah, but yeah, there, there was the regular yeah. season that probably helped Gervin, you know, maintain those numbers a little bit. But yeah, once the playoffs came, it was just like okay, yeah, this is not. Uh, and then like yeah, he would yeah. go to Italy and, the next year or whatever. I forget. I, I think it was Italy where he played after I, that. But I think you're right. Yeah, and Gervin, uh, by the way, yes, he um he played two games of the three in the playoffs and averaged um five point five minutes per game in. So he definitely was basically out of the rotation um during the. Uh, the playoffs. So yes. Uh, all right. Uh, next, we've got uh, the Rain Man. He flees to the Cleve. A three-team trade. The Cleveland Cavaliers trade Terrell Brandon, Tyrone Hill, and a uh, first-round pick that ended up being Pat Garrity to the Bucks. The Bucks trade Sherman Douglas to the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Bucks traded Vin Baker to the Sonics, and the Sonics traded Sean Kemp to the Cleveland Cavaliers. We've said it before. Sean Kemp is actually pretty good for the Cavs. Yes. It was later we on that he got that back respect. And- Sean Kemp on the Cavaliers. He was still good. He was still very good, especially that first year. He was excellent that um, first year. 1999, October. Uh, Scotty Pippen, yeah, one year in Houston did not go well, and uh, he doesn't have to deal with Charles Barkley's fat butt anymore. He goes to the <laughs> Portland Trailblazers for, yeah, for sixth player, Stacey Ogden, Kelvin Jason, Cato, and <laughs> Ed Gray. Quote, for the record. Right. No, no, no. Uh, Ed Gray, Carlos Rogers, Brian Shaw, and Walt Williams. That is a lot of guys. That is dudes. Yeah, that was just like a whole bag of dudes. and uh, A whole well, bag of dudes, yeah. Yeah, and, and it helped the Trailblazers. Obviously, they yeah. got within, you know. <laughs> One game of the, uh, yeah, the, the finals. <laughs> a a yeah. really well-timed alley-oop and yeah. a monumental right. uh, collapse uh, away from doing it. But, uh, yeah, those sure. are all th- – th- those Portland Trailblazers teams of that era just blow me away. They just had so many dudes. They were like – 10 like 10 deep and then they trade half the guys for scotty pippen and then team's still like 10 deep it's like that that year there's like that left shrimps there all there's just dudes there's just guys there on those are teams, man. there are dudes there there's are, there are so guys many guys there are people teams, there are yeah. men there are there are guys yes all right next uh speaking of guys we got uh the carmelo anthony era ends in uh, new york for the knicks in september 2017 as uh Mello is traded to the Thunder for Enos Cantor, Doug McDermott, and a second round pick that becomes Mitchell Robinson. That That's ended up being great. Really well. yeah. Yeah. Ended up being a good pick. Uh, yeah, and then Carmelo joining uh, Russell Westbrook and Paul George in Oklahoma City. This, I believe, prompted us to make a uh, episode of like all time uh, big threes, which is probably not aged uh, the best <laughs> uh, for us, uh, given uh, how the, well, I, the show probably aged fine. But the idea that you know Mello and Russ and, and Paul George was going to be an all time big three. Uh, no, nah, you know, didn't quite work out um, as well, but eh, you know, can't win them all. And uh, November 2018, 
Jimmy Butler is like, hey, I'm not happy. And uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves traded him and Justin Patton to the 76ers for Jared Bayless, Robert Covington, Dario Saric, and a 2020 and two uh, second round, or I'm sorry, a, a second round draft pick that ended up being Matteo Spen- Spagnolo. Yeah, this was not a good trade for the uh, Timberwolves. This, uh, uh, they, no. they got a bag, of, they, they got a lot of nothing there. They you know? did not get a whole lot there. Yeah. And I, yeah. I don't even remember, I don't even remember Robert Covington playing for the wolves i don't did they even keep him i don't even i, I uh, know that wasn't that long ago but i don't even remember him playing for the wolves ever i'm sure uh that is a good question that is something we can find out um yeah uh, i, I guess mean, he I think, did i guess he did sort of um yeah he played for he played in 2019 and he played for in 22 games in 2019 and he played 48 games in 2020 before going to Houston. Oh, he's so. been traded like 14 times since then. <laughs> Mostly just to Philadelphia. Yeah. It's just back to Philly. To Philadelphia yeah. That's Philly. Yeah. Usually yeah. in a James Harden related trade. So right. It's yeah. Like... It's, uh, it's funny how uh, all that works out. Yes. Okay. And uh, last, uh, Donovan Mitchell to the Cavaliers. He was traded for um, Ochai Agbaji, Laurie Markinen, Colin Sexton. And then let's see, three, four, five first lot. round picks. Yeah. Yes, a lot of picks. So, um, uh, yeah, and that one has, I mean, honestly, kind of worked out for both teams. Uh, it worked out really well for the Cavs. Mitchell's been great there. And the Jazz have, uh, Laurie Markinen has obviously been really great for the uh, Jazz, kind of something I don't think anybody really quite saw coming there. So, um, yeah, that's uh, so far so good for both teams. Absolutely. All right. Yeah, this is a fun one. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed this episode. And uh, yeah, fall trades. So a long time coming. We're, we apologize for the uh, uh, delay. But hey, we're back. And uh, yeah, dare I say better than ever. But, uh, better, better than, than like Eric Bischoff. Better than yeah. ever. As right. good as we've always been. How about that? Right. At we, you know, did, yeah, exactly. We're not we're not fading in our 10th season. We are absolutely <laughs> no, no, yeah. strong. I and mean, we're not George Gervin. You know, we're we're keeping it up. We are not Nate Thurmond. We no, we're, no, no, yeah, no. no, we are definitely not. All right. Well, anyway. Uh, thanks everyone for checking us out. Uh, you can find everything that we do at overandbacknba.com. We are on social media. We are on podcast providers. Uh, we are, um, you can find us at uh, the step back at uh, fan sided. Uh, we, uh, we do a lot of things. So uh, check us out and uh, yeah, until next time. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again soon. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. 
all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.